This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? I'm Faraz Siddiqui from Upper Hand Fantasy. We're going to go over some dynasty dilemmas in this video. Some of these guys might be nearing an age where you're like, do I sell? Do I keep? How many years of production does this guy have? Some of these guys are brand new to the scene and you're trying to figure out, like, is this guy legit? And, you know, we want to go through all these players to try to figure out, hey, like, how should we handle these players moving forward? The first guy I want to talk about, I'm on my same route. This guy, he had an absolutely ridiculous finish to last season. Specifically those last six games of the season. He had at least eight catches in each of those games, had at least 10 targets in each of those games, 93 and a half receiving yards average over those six games, caught a touchdown in five of those six games. I mean, and then the dude went on to win people fantasy championships. So he's in the heart of many, no matter what. But how should we view him moving forward? I think Amara Ross St. Brown has established the fact that he can be a very good player uh, and a very productive player when he gets the opportunity. Now the question is, will he demand targets when there are other capable weapons around him? This is a reminder that he did all this without TJ Hawkinson, without DeAndre Swift. Those two guys combined for 41% of the target share you know, before they got hurt. Now, I think he's still going to be good. I don't think this was a fluke by any means, but I'm not going to be drafting him like a wide receiver two or anything like that next season in redraft, okay? Now, in dynasty circles, right, he could be ranked as a wide receiver one in dynasty, a high-end wide receiver two. And I would personally, if I have Amara St. Brown, listen, I'm feeling offers no matter what. Whenever anybody's value is that high, I'm going to field offers. I'm going to see what I can get. Now, I don't think that his ceiling is in that wide receiver one spectrum. I don't. And if anybody in your dynasty league does, I'm definitely taking advantage of that. So you might be wondering, like, can he play on the outside potentially? Now, Matt Harmon uh, from Reception Perception, he did a in-season uh, rookie evaluation for a lot of these wide receivers. And uh, I'm on Ross name Brown didn't do so well. I think the role that he's playing right now uh, is what is benefiting him. It's a perfect storm, uh, you know, with Hawkinson being out, with Swift being out. He was just able to perform at a big-time level. The fact that he was able to do it with multiple QBs, you know, who aren't that good, let's be honest, uh, you know, was a great sign as well. However, Matt Harmon's charting did show that, you know, he wasn't great against press, right? He wasn't great against man uh, one-on-one, that sort of thing. And until he shows those same skills on the outside, I do think that his ceiling uh, is more of a wide receiver too than somewhere near that wide receiver one level. And if anyone in your league thinks that his ceiling can be a wide receiver one, I would probably pounce on that. The next guy I want to talk about, Rashad Penny, who also had a ridiculous 
end to his season. He started to get legit opportunity in week 14, and from that point on, he led the NFL in rushing. He was the number one overall running back in fantasy points, in total fantasy points scored, but also in fantasy points per game for the rest of the season. He had a ridiculous 6.3 yards per carry, but he was also first in yards after contact per attempt among all running backs with 100 plus carries this season. A lot of that had to do with his big playability. More than 50% of his rushing yards came on plays of 15 yards or more. Now he's set to be a free agent. Will Seattle re-sign him after not picking up his fifth year option? Honestly, I don't think so. But how should we look at Rashad Penny moving forward at this point? It really depends on his landing spot. You know, if I have him right now, I'm not moving him, right? I kind of want to see where he lands. Now, he was barely used as a pass catcher in his NFL career. He'll probably be an early down back wherever he goes. He just turned 26 in February. Um, not bad, right? Especially considering the fact that he doesn't really have too much tread on his tires. But how dependable is he? Can we depend on him to stay healthy? And that's why I'm not really willing to plant a flag on Rashad Penny. Can you sell him off of his huge finish, just like Amara St. Brown? Anytime guys are at their peak value, I'm gonna field offers. I'll be looking to sell. Does he have another great year and not get hurt? Does he have two? I'm not sure the answer to that question is yes. So as of right now, I'm definitely fielding offers. Right now, I'm looking at like a mid to low end RB3 type of value right now in Dynasty. There is a world where somebody's giving you a legit RB2 back for Rashad Penny because they want that upside. Give me the RB2. Oh, by the way, guys, if you haven't hit the like button yet, I would really appreciate it. That would really help me out. So the next guy I want to talk about is Terry McLaurin. There's no doubt that he is capable of being a true number one wide receiver, and he's shown that. Now, he is going to be 27 years old by the time the season starts. He had two 1,000-yard seasons under his belt. He even had close to 1,000 yards his rookie year as well. But now going into his age 27 season, now are you hopeful that he gets a quarterback, you know, that could elevate him to his potential elite status? Or are you taking advantage of the window and, you know, maybe taking what you can get and potentially getting a serious haul back for him? Now me personally, I think he is expendable. What? And the reason why is I just don't want to wait and see who that quarterback is going to be, right? I understand that most likely whoever he gets is going to be an upgrade. I get that. But I don't want to wait and see. I'm okay moving McLaurin right now, potentially adding on another piece or two, maybe a couple picks, you know, for a younger wide receiver who has proven that he could get it done, maybe in a better situation. For example, T. Higgins. I would give up McLaurin in a second round pick for T. Higgins right now. That kind of gives you a baseline of what I value him at. If you have Terry McLaurin, you're hopeful right now, uh, but I, I want to turn that hope into legitimacy. I want to turn that hope into getting a wide receiver who's younger, potentially better, has a higher ceiling. Someone like T. Higgins can fit the bill. All right, guys, I recorded this video before Carson Wentz got traded. If you haven't heard, Carson Wentz got traded from the Colts to Washington in a somewhat ridiculous deal. Washington got fleeced in this deal. They sent over two third round picks, one of them potentially becoming a second round pick, depending on Carson Wentz's playing time. And they're also eating up the entire Carson Wentz contract. I think it's like 27, 28 million, something like that. Crazy. Anyway, I'm glad McLaurin got someone who can make him viable as a solid wide receiver too this year. I think he's definitely going to be more consistent than he was with Taylor Heineke. We just saw Carson Wentz being able to sustain Michael Pittman as a solid wide receiver too all year long last year. 26% target share, very solid season. 
McLaurin was already being drafted around the wide receiver 17 range in underdog best ball drafts. And I think that's about right. That's about the 3-4 turn in redraft. Now, I think McLaurin is a better player than Michael Pittman, but I don't think he's going to be able to hit that wide receiver one ceiling that I think he has with Carson Wentz. Now, if I have a win now team in Dynasty and he's my wide receiver two, wide receiver three, and I'm trying to win this year, I'm going to hold. If I have a team that, you know, if I'm being honest, I might not be able to contend with the top teams in my league, I might use this Carson Wentz news as a little bit of leverage to get even more for McLaurin right now. You can get a haul for Terry right now. McLaurin has proved that he can be a team's wide receiver one, but how long are we going to wait until we see that ceiling? Is he going to turn into an Allen Robinson type player where his potential hasn't been reached and honestly might not be reached for the entirety of his career? McLaurin is going to spend his age 27 season with Carson Wentz, and then in 2023, he might be in another QB needy situation. Now, I want to know in the comments, are you buying, selling, or holding Terry McLaurin in Dynasty right now? Next on my list, A.J. Brown. Very tough year for A.J. Brown. I had high hopes coming into this year, uh, you know, with Julio Jones added, that offense potentially getting better, potentially moving towards a less run-heavy offense, right? Given the fact that they have two studs, or we thought they would have two studs at wide receiver going into last season. But all the injuries this year for A.J. Brown, you know, kind of has him in question for a lot of people. Like, what do I do with him? Is he a legit dynasty asset? Is he a high-end dynasty asset? And he's obviously shown those boom games even this season, right? Eight catches for 133 yards and a touchdown, 10 catches for 155 yards and a touchdown, 11 catches for 145 yards and a touchdown. He's obviously oozing. Pause. With big play potential, league and week winning potential. Like, if I compare AJ Brown to Terry McLaurin, for me, there's no comparison. Weekly upside, season long upside, dynasty career long upside that's aj brown hands down like i'm personally willing to buy aj brown right now you know given the fact that he's come off a season where people were thinking about benching him i would never bench him right embrace the volatility he'll be 25 in june so going into the season he's only going to be 25 he's going to be one year removed from those two knee surgeries that he had uh the previous offseason and I just think he's gonna have some massive massive seasons in him coming up he was sixth among all wide receivers in yards per route run among wide receivers with at least 100 targets this past year the year that he wasn't that great sixth in yards per route run the year before second in yards per route run the year before that fifth in yards per route run and that was his rookie year I'm holding and I'm buying AJ Brown now if you have AJ Brown what are you doing with him I want to know in the comments Okay, next on the list, Cordell Patterson. Nobody saw this coming from Cordell Patterson last year. So like, all right, what do I do with him? Now he's set to be an unrestricted free agent, right? Uh, but do we really want to see him anywhere outside of Atlanta for fantasy purposes? He's been on five teams so far. Nobody could figure out how to use him, you know, correctly or at least use him enough for fantasy production until he got to Atlanta. Even if he stays in Atlanta, the chances that the Falcons add another running back to that rotation is pretty high, right? Because they really didn't know what to do outside of Cordell Patterson last year. They used Mike Davis, but I don't think this was gonna do for them, right? <laughs> you think about a coach who had Derrick Henry uh, the year before, right, in Tennessee, and now like going into this year, you know, I think he's gonna address that position for sure. And then you think like, you know, even if they use him with another back, he compliments another back that they bring in, is he really gonna score another 11 touchdowns? He was pretty efficient. Now, Patterson is 31 years old, okay? Like, this might be straightforward for a lot of people. It's pretty straightforward for me. Uh, if I can, I'm looking at a team who is potentially competing. I'm trying to package him up, 
you know, with another legit asset and, you know, maybe get some picks back, maybe get another player back, a younger player who might not have broken out yet, something like that, somebody with high promise. Um, but I, I don't want to hold on to Cordell Patterson right now. I want to take advantage uh, of the season that he just had. All right, so the next guy I want to talk about is DJ Moore. Only 25 years old going into this season. Um, he's been pretty productive given the fact that he's had some quarterback troubles lately, and that's an understatement. He does have plenty of years left. He has time to get a quarterback, right? This is not like the Terry McLaurin situation where he's already 27. That Carolina QB situation is a bit of a mess right now, but they are trying to right that mess. Hopefully they can get it done. Who knows? They've been making some questionable decisions, but DJ Moore uh, is a young wide receiver who has a ton of production already under his belt in the NFL. Moore is just one of those players that if I have him, I'm holding tight. Uh, I'm trying to acquire him. He's just somebody that I think has a lot more potential left. He had three 1,000-yard seasons, and he did that from the ages of 22 to 24. He's hardly missed games. He had terrible quarterback play last year, but he still saw 163 targets, which was sixth in the NFL. Remember, targets are earned, and he's been earning them over the past few years. Now, his first four years of his career, he was above 1.8 yards per route run every single year. He was 12th in 2019 and 8th in 2020 in yards per route run among all wide receivers with at least 100 targets. And last year, he was 17th, but he still maintained 1.86 yards per route run, which is pretty healthy. The quarterback troubles definitely played a factor into that. I'm viewing him as a wide receiver too, like a solid wide receiver too in Dynasty right now. And he's somebody who has that wide receiver one ceiling, that wide receiver one potential if his quarterback troubles are solved. I'm even willing to buy DJ Moore with a first round rookie pick from this year. Maybe not an early one. Um, I don't know if I want to miss out on like, you know, Drake London or Traylon Burks, uh, but we'll see. I'm not 100% decided on that. But to be honest with you, even if you give up your 101 this year, like you're getting somebody who has a lot of years left, right? Who's only a couple years older than these wide receivers coming out right now, right? And DJ Moore already has shown that production. So sometimes you have to prioritize these wide receivers who are already getting it done at a high level in the NFL. Even if you had to add on to a mid first this year, uh, plus another like lower tier player, like go for it. Do some of these guys coming out have higher upside? Potentially, yes. Uh, but you know, if you if you go for a, a safe option who has a ton of upside, you might wanna stick with DJ Moore. The next guy I wanna talk about, Derek Henry. You don't want to be a year too late on Derrick Henry. And I get it. Like, people are going to pick Derrick Henry near the top of the first round, if not the 101, 102, 103. I get it. He's been dominating, right? Last year, he was getting like 30 carries a game, and that could be a problem, okay? Me, personally, I'm moving on. I don't want to be a year too late. You know, you basically compare what his value is right now. Uh, imagine what you can get for Derrick Henry and compare that to zero because that's what these running back cliffs are like. And I'm not saying that this happens this year, but I'm making sure that I'm getting value for Derrick Henry. I don't wanna be left with somebody that I can't sell. Now, if I'm a win now team, sure, I get it, keep him. But I'd rather trade him for someone like Christian McCaffrey, who's entering his age 26 season. Same thing with Saquon. You're probably asking, dude, you want me to trade for these injury prone running backs? No, I want you to trade for running backs who are still young, who have elite ceilings. And I'm gonna get to Saquon in a minute. But Christian McCaffrey, after an ankle injury, after a hamstring injury, you want to fade him because of that? The dude had the highest scoring fantasy season ever. And then the third highest fantasy scoring season ever in points per game. Like, I am not fading that. 
I digress. Anyway, Derrick Henry just turned 28 in January. Running backs are usually past their prime after the age of 27. He also almost has 1,500 career carries, which is kind of the threshold that we see with these running backs dropping off. And that's according to a study, an article done by Ted Seth from Pro Football Focus. We saw it happen with Zeke, and maybe you think that Derrick Henry is that anomaly. But do you want to bet on that and not get value while you can? I'm taking the value. Were there any other signs of slowing down for Derrick Henry? He looked good last year, but one thing I did notice is that his breakaway rate has decreased over the past two seasons. You know, those runs that he breaks for more than 15 yards? In 2019, 33.5% of his total rushing yards were coming off those big gains. That came down to 31.2% in 2020, and then it came down even further to 26.4% in 2021. Just for some context, Sony Michelle had the same amount of 15 plus yard carries as Derrick Henry did with a similar amount of attempts. Zeke only had three less 15 or more yard runs than Derrick Henry, similar amount of work. Listen, Derrick Henry was averaging 30 touches per game last year. They're going to run him into the ground. I personally, I'm probably not gonna be spending a high pick on him in redraft leagues and I don't want him on my roster, you know, when he eventually does break down. Can he be the anomaly? Sure, he can. And there are anomalies all the time. Uh, but I just don't want to bet on it, right? That's all. Okay, so the last guy I want to talk about is Saquon Barkley. And I know a lot of people are looking to sell Saquon because they think they can get some value out of him right now and they want to get value before his value goes all the way down to zero. But honestly, I think you can hold him. I think you can buy him. And I think if you want to sell him, you can sell him at a much higher price than he's priced at right now. Now, I have a question for all of you. How did you think this season after an ACL tear was going to go for Saquon Barkley? A lot of people thought he was gonna pull in Adrian Peterson and have a monster year, right? So there was two buckets, right? Either full avoid or, hey man, he's gonna absolutely kill it this year. He's an anomaly. Well, the people who bet on him being an anomaly, uh, they didn't win that, right? And the people who didn't bet on him said, I told you so. And I think the answer really lies somewhere in the middle, right? Because the fact that he's going into this season, two years removed from his ACL, it's a completely different situation. Now, what was Saquon doing this time last year? He was rehabbing all the way up until the season. He wasn't even ready for the start of the year. When he came into last season, one leg was noticeably bigger than the other. I ain't no doctor, I'm not a physical therapist, but I have a feeling that if one leg is bigger than the other and imbalance is there, that could lead to injuries. I don't think it takes a doctor or a physical therapist to know that. Saquon now has a full offseason to get back to his regular self, right? Last year, he was just rehabbing to get good enough to play. Now he can strengthen and he can work on him getting better back to his elite level, potentially better than he used to be. Saquon was one of the best running back prospects we've ever seen. He came into the league and had one of the best rookie years we've ever seen. And then in 2019, he was sixth in PPR fantasy points per game, and that was with him having a high ankle sprain early in the year. And then in 2020, he tears his ACL. And then in 2021, you know, what I think is the revenants of that ACL, you know, he wasn't right because of that, and he had a terrible year. But Saquon needs an offensive line. Look what Najee Harris just did. The overall RB3 in his rookie year. Someone who's not close to being the talent that Saquon Barkley is. Okay, you don't need an offensive line to be productive and to be a high-end running back for fantasy purposes as long as you're catching passes. But the Giants offense, Pittsburgh ranked 21st in points per game this past year, 23rd 
in yards per game this year. Jacksonville ranked 27th in yards per game in 2020, yet James Robinson had a monster year. Why? Because he was an every down back and he was extremely involved in the pass game. I'm holding, I'm buying, and with Brian Dable coming in from Buffalo, things are only gonna get better. All right, guys, that's all I got for the Dynasty Dilemmas. Thank you so much for watching. Please subscribe, that would help me out a lot. Please like the video, uh, and I'll see you next time. See ya.